Well, good morning again. I uh, just wanted to follow up with what Pastor Tony mentioned about our, our 9 a.m. I know that's a little early. Uh, it's when we got the, the main stage here. And I just want to emphasize something to you, that the service is only going to be an hour long. Now, I love you. I'm your pastor. I know some of you, the start time is a little, little touch and go of the services. So if you're going to attend, make, try to be there right at the start so that you don't come in and we basically close the service when you arrive and you feel like we shut the service down because you got there. Okay, so 9 o'clock, that's, it's from 9 to 10 is when we'll be, be out there. So do try to be there, um, and, and we'd love to have you out there. Again, we're going to be right here. It's, it's, it's a really neat opportunity for us to be, again, on the main stage of, and kind of in the central center of the Harvest, harvest Festival is what I did in Kuwait, the Chocolate Festival. Um, so I do hope you'll be able to meet, um, come out and be with us that day. I also want to mention today just something, just a kind of a follow-up uh, as we're talking about mothers today. And, you know, I, I recognize that there are people either in this room or maybe online, you know, maybe where you, you weren't able, you know, to, to have a child or uh, maybe you've lost a child or something like that. And, you know, we always want to make sure we just uh, take a moment to, rec you know, recognize that there are people present in those situations. And it's um, something to just... Um, Acknowledge, first of all, but secondly, you know, I, I don't want you to feel that God doesn't see you. As, as Leanna said, he sees you. And, you know, many of you have chosen to, uh, to basically adopt children, if you will, not, maybe not literally, but there are children in your life that you've chosen to pour yourself into, that you've chosen to um, take on even as your own and pray for and mentor and, and things like that. And so I just want to acknowledge uh, those of you here today that may be in that situation uh, we had some very close friends for the longest time that they couldn't conceive, um, and Mother's Day was not always, it was always this day that was almost dreaded, uh, you know, even to go to church, because they always knew that there was going to be this time where mothers were acknowledged. And so we just want to, um, just again, just say, you know, God sees you, and God, God sees your situation, he loves you, and uh, don't let that um, stop you from investing in, in someone's life, and a child's life around you, all right? Well, today, you know, it's, uh, it is Mother's Day, and... I am not a mother, but nonetheless, it's always interesting as, you know, we, we come to this day and, you know, what, what should I preach today or what should, should we preach on um, that, you know, is, is kind of in line with what, what's, what day it is. And, you know, I, I think as we look throughout the scriptures, uh, it's, it's always intriguing to me uh, as the women and, and the many um, backgrounds, if you will, that the women have throughout Scripture and how God uses, uh, you know, women, not just, not even just the godly ones, you know, it's, it's, the, he uses anybody and how they're infused into the, the line of Jesus, if you will, the line of the Messiah. And, and so it's, it's always, uh, I love to see how God does that. And there are many examples that we could use today. Um, but today I want to look at a mother in the scripture, and this mom is um, maybe one that you might have missed. It, it may be one that we, we, in fact, we don't even know what her name is. And, you know, we can go kind of, it's her, this account only happens across the span of just a few scriptures, and it's, but it's an amazing scene, and I think today as, as we pause and look at it, we're going to find out that uh, through it all, we see that her faith is what I would call is, is extraordinary, is extraordinary. And so, you know, um, that's something I, I feel like today in the, the time we're living in, and especially if, if you are a mom and you have kids, you know, it's, uh, you need extraordinary faith, amen? 
Um, you've got to stay the course. You've got to keep walking it out. And because it doesn't always seem like things are going well, <laughs> right? There are times and you get to these places and you're like, all right, Lord, what are you doing here? What's going on? But we need to continue to walk in faith, especially when it comes to our children. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. And the title of today's message, if I were to title it, it would be A Persistent Faith. A Persistent Faith. And what we're going to see here is, is this woman, this mother, and a, a faith that is definitely persistent. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. It reads, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's, their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this Mother's Day as we, we acknowledge uh, women that are truly uh, worthy of acknowledgement today. God, I thank you for, for the moms that are here today, those watching online, and for just this chance for us, um, Lord, they deserve many more days out of the year, that's for sure, to be honored. But especially today, Lord God, we just really want to honor them. But even more than that, Lord, today we want to honor you. We want to honor your word, and God, we pray that you would truly speak to our hearts today through your word, that our hearts would be open, that it would be good ground, Lord, uh, for, for these words to land on, that you would do something amazing. We thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I want to begin today with a word that uh, is, is pretty intriguing to me. It's, it's the word persistence. Persistence, and kind of let your mind think about that for a minute, what that means to you. Uh, persistence is defined as a firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. And it's also defined as the continued or prolonged existence of something. So we see very quickly this word persistence. It's, it's something, it's like a driving force, right, that's to be reckoned with. Um, in, in my sermons as you, many of you know, I'm married and I, I have four children, and they didn't realize this, that when they were born, they became fair game for my sermon illustrations. And one of my children seems to make it more often than not into my sermons, and that's my son Joshua. He's nine. And probably the chuckles in here are the ones that know Joshua, and he is the embodiment of the word persistence. Um, just recently, uh, just a little story, you know, we were in one of my favorite stores, Bass Pro Shop. Anybody ever been there? few people, yeah. And I, I literally, I just love to go in there and I just wander around, right? You know, I don't usually shop, like, you know, when Leanna goes shopping, you know, she likes to look at all these things and shops and I don't, I, I'm a guy, right? I go get and I leave. But Bass Pro Shop, it's a whole different ball game. I can wander for days. In fact, I might have been lost there a few times uh, for a few days. And, uh, but I just wander around, I look at stuff. And so one day, um, you know, I had Joshua, Leanna and the older boys, I think they were doing something else. And so I had Joshua and I had my youngest Levi in the stroller. So, you know, we're the total 
package. Nothing can possibly go wrong with a nine-year-old and a nine-month-old and their dad. And so we're strolling through a Bass Pro Shop, and you know we get to this. I don't know if you know this. They have like a like a little gun range. It's like those little laser. It looks like rifles, but it's like the little you shoot the target, and the little pot goes ding, and there's all this stuff. It's real fun. And and so we found that thing, and so Josh wanted to do that, so we did that. And then you know we were kind of coming out of that. We went through the the BB gun aisle. Yeah. Um, so he sees all these these I mean these sweet and now they look like literal like you know guns, like assault rifles, all this stuff, and they're just, they're BB guns. And, um, you know, so he's, he's, you know, gets in this, his mind, he wants a BB gun, right? This was about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And I, I stand before you, and, um, and behind the pulpit, and before God and everybody, that literally every day since that day, I have had the reminder, usually multiple times a day, of Joshua wanting a BB gun. Oftentimes it would simply be like I'm sitting there at the table, maybe eating lunch or something, or just doing something, and then all of a sudden I feel like this presence next to me, and this voice whispers nothing in my ear but this, BB gun, and then it just drifts away. And this is what Josh does. He just, he's just always there, and then he's gone, and he's, you know, we're just out, just random. You know, you could be looking at the most spectacular view of something, and he's like, hey, Dad, I want a BB gun. You know, it's like he doesn't, he's locked in. He's persistent, okay? And I need to finish this story. So, you know, Leanne and I were a united front, right? And, uh, you know, she, she's always messing with me because I go out to the grocery store with Josh or something. I go to the store and I come back and he's got like all this stuff, right? Never, wasn't on the list, wasn't planned. He just has this way. He has my number, you know? Like he can just dial in and get what he wants. And it's, it's spectacular, it really is. Um, but I, I, I drew my line, you know, drew my line, set my foot down, and said, "You're not, we're not doing that right now. Maybe a birthday or Christmas, something special. We'll do this. We'll get you a BB gun." Well, we're at the mall for Mother's Day, right? A few days ago, to buy Leanna something nice, and you know, we're going through the mall, and she's doing her thing, and so I take the boys for a little bit. We're doing some things, and and she she kind of drifts off, um, and we're in Bass Pro Shop. By the time we met up again, which I felt like was like seconds later, you know, she's pushing the stroller and I see this bag with this big box in it. And it's a BB gun, right? It's a BB gun. And, you know, she messes with me all the time about caving into Joshua. And I had said it, you know, she got him one. And I just, I marvel at this nine-year-old child. Like, if I could harness that somehow and put it, we could change the world, you know. We could do amazing things. So pray for us as we continue in this journey with, you know, pointing his persistence in the right direction. But when I read this, you know, this firmer, obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition, I saw my son, and he is this living example of persistence. And when I read this, this account of this woman come to Christ and, and present this need, you know, this was persistence in action, this, this persistent faith that this woman had. And, you know, this, this account, it's also found in Mark's gospel, um, but, but Mark, he focuses more on the healing side of it. And, and so Matthew's account is, is really focused, and it seems to be dialed in on this last sentence, that great is your faith, be it done for you as you desire. Persistent faith, right? And, and again, it's just something that, you know, there, that it's to take note of. And I think there's something that we can really glean from this today. And so as we look at this in those first couple of verses, you know, I, my first point today is uh, I see here a faith-filled mother who reveals her problem to Jesus. 
All right, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now, there are many mothers in this world who are troubled there today. There are many mothers who, especially when it comes to their children, who are concerned and who have you know, difficult situations that they're facing. And, you know, this, this, this is what we see here with, as this woman approaches Jesus. And some points to note about this woman is, first, that she was a Canaanite. And, you know, many of us here sitting here today, it's like, okay, yeah, she was a Canaanite. What's, what's the big deal? Well, the thing is that the Canaanite, when they're called Canaanite, this was a general term for the pagan inhabitants of the promised land, Israel, that, that, that Israel was told to conquer in Joshua's day, okay? These were, this was Canaanites. This, they were not... Jews. They were not God's chosen people. And so she was kind of left outside, if you will, right from the get-go. Yet here she is nonetheless approaching Jesus. By culture and language, she was a Greek. And by religion, up until this point, she was a pagan. But notice what she says first as she brings this need to, to Jesus. And she comes up to him and she says what? She says, have mercy on me. You know, she's going to bring this need, her request to Jesus about her daughter, but she begins with, with herself. Have mercy on, on me. And on this woman's lips, too, we hear not just have mercy, but she says, Lord, which in, 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 in the, the gospel here of Matthew, the account, the, just the chapter before, we see that same term being used when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and says, Lord, if it really is you, bid me to come out of the boat and step onto the water. So she's acknowledging who he is as Lord. And she's saying, have mercy on me. And, you know, this, this, she sees Jesus, calls him Lord, and she's recognizing the fact that there's a, his divinity is present, that he is, there's something more to Jesus than just an ordinary man. And it's also intriguing, too, that she says this phrase, son of David, right? Son of David, which is distinctive, distinctively Jewish. It's a Jewish designation for the Messiah. She's not Jewish. But yet here she is using it, and she's approaching Jesus in this way. It is a pagan woman saying it. And this, 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 this phrase, too, this have mercy, echoes the cry, uh, if you remember the blind men, right? Doesn't that sound familiar? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Remember the blind men in the scriptures that are crying out to Jesus? It's that same kind of thing, and it appeals, again, those, they were appealing to Jesus to relieve the plight of this woman's daughter. She's, she's showing Jesus that she needs his mercy. And so this woman was acknowledging who Jesus was and is, but it's interesting that she knew where to come with her problem, right? Her daughter is possessed by this demon. Obviously, there's nothing else that's working. And so here she is approaching Jesus, bringing her problem to Jesus. And so she's showing and signaling that she believes in his power and authority. She believed he could deliver her daughter, that he could. <laughs> but again, so far it's not going according to plan, is it? She's not getting the response. You see, her greatest problem at that time in her world was with her daughter. And I'm sure, I'm positive there were probably other problems and other difficulties going on in her life. But at that point, her daughter was the precedence and that was the most important thing. Because there is something about the well-being of a child that makes those other things seem small, isn't there? 
If you have a child, if you've had children or you've been around kids and you see them going through a struggle, you see them going through a difficulty, you will move heaven and earth for them because you want to, as, that's ingrained in you as a parent, right? And so you'll do anything and, and you know, here she is you know, with Jesus and she's making this approach that should not have happened. She wasn't, didn't have the right to approach Jesus. And for most of us parents, again, all problems in life tend to go small when our children are at stake, Amen. When our children are going through that, that difficulty, when our children, again, are, are under attack, if you will, again, it, it just it goes to the surface. It's the number one priority. We need to resolve this. Her daughter was severely oppressed by a demon, it says. You see, church, the most, one of the most distressing of all parental problems today is Satan's attack on our children. And this is nothing new. Satan's had the family model in his sights for a long time. The, the way the family was, was made and created by God and in Scripture, you know, it has been on the sights of, of the enemy for, for, forever. And we look around today, we look at what happens when, when you know, the family model is, is shattered, Right? When mom and dad aren't present in the home, when, you know, or if there's you know, more and more that it's on the rise, there's people that are having kids and they're not married, or, or they're, they, they, the divorce rate is, is going through the roof. It's actually coming down now, but it's actually because more less people are being married, getting married now. But the problem is this, you know, if, what does that do if a mother, you know, and, and the husband's not around anymore, the dad, the father of the children, and men kind of just cycle through, right? They're not consistent, they're not present, they're not there. And even more so, what happens when abuse takes place? Understand that God's model, you know, everything that we see, it's all built. The family model, husband and wife, again, bride of Christ. That's, that's what we are called as a church, right? The bride of Christ. That marriage picture is, is, is symbolic. It's, it's to show us and represent what it is, how we relate to Christ and to God. Jesus is called the bridegroom, right? When we pray to God, we call him God the Father. He is not God the it, them, they, she, we, he. It's, it's God the Father, right? Y'all getting quiet on me. But understand, when, when, when that begins to be eroded, and the confusion that comes, and then you drop in that piece where it's, it is crazy, the number of people, with this many people in the room, how many people in this room have, have had some kind of sexual abuse in their past, statistically? And a lot of that, when it comes from a father or a father figure, now, when that person comes to Christ, and now they're supposed to, to worship what? God the Father. God the Father is loving, and he cares for you, and you can trust him. But I've known people where they struggle because every time they hear that term father, it's connected to this horrific experience that never should have happened. They were abused. They were mistreated. And it's not just sexual. It's, it can be any kind of abuse. And don't think that Satan is sitting in the background just clapping his hands and smiling as families just continue to crumble left and right. Because that's... God has designed for that to be the picture of, of our relationship with him. We're called the family of God. <laughs> it's everywhere. 
It's entwined in everything. And so that's why, you know, Satan, again, he wants to destroy uh, however he can the family. He wants to get in with children and, and wreck their lives and mess up their, their relationship with God the Father. Now, that's kind of heavy news today, but I, I know it's Mother's Day. But what I do want to leave us with before we move on to the next point is this, is that hope is not lost. God is in the business of, of, of raising, bringing beauty from the ash, isn't he? God is greater than, any, than the enemy can ever imagine, and God is working out a plan. And regardless of what has happened in the past, God is in the business of redeeming people, of situations. And I've seen it. I've seen it in people's life, and I've seen it where he gets the glory because he comes in and he redeems someone. And they use that pain from the past. They use that horrific experience now to help others and to share the good news and to bring hope and healing to people that have struggled. And so we can, we can rest in the fact that, that God is bigger and greater than the enemy ever will be and that there is always hope when Jesus is on the scene. Amen? But it shows us, though, there's an importance of praying for protection from Satan's attacks on family members. As parents, we need to be praying for our children. I don't care how old they are, young or old, continue to pray for your children. And so we see, again, this, this, prayer, this faith-filled mother as she reveals this problem in this situation to Jesus. And then, number two, we see this faith-filled mother that she remains persistent in prayer. She remains persistent here in this presenting to Jesus uh, this, this situation, right? And again, picking up in verse 23, it says, But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So two issues here that, that were staring down at her. The first one, and I don't know if you caught this, as she approaches and as she makes her plea, did Jesus just turn around and, you know, come up and give her a hug, and I've been waiting for you, you know, I'm here to comfort you, and is that what his response was? It says, but he did not answer her a word. Is this the same Jesus, you know, the Jesus, the compassionate Jesus that we see, the, the same Jesus that cares about people enough to where he laid down his life for people, the same Jesus that, you know, he, he's always just helping and healing and, and ministering to people. Is that the same Jesus? Yeah, it is, right? Now, I don't know about you, but those things like that, I, I have to pause and stop sometime and say, you know, you ask this question, you know, Jesus, he seems to be taking a harsh attitude towards this woman, and if you're like me, we need to ask the question, why? Why? Why would Jesus think about that? He's, he doesn't even respond to her. He's like ignores her. And the question is why? I joked with the first service. I said, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I was just going to leave it with all of us. But we will get there today, I promise. Why does Jesus not respond to her and here's a better question. Have you ever felt like God was silent when you're asking him for something when you're praying? I think we're all, if we're all honest, we probably are, have had those moments like, God, where, where are you? <laughs> I'm bringing this plea. I'm bringing this to you. Where, where are you? Where is the answer? It feels like you're not even acknowledging my presence here. But I believe really, again, in this moment, and, and again, this isn't written here or something, but I... 
I really believe with all my heart that Jesus wanted to see if there was going to be a persistence in her faith. He was, he was, he was draw, inviting her to, to, to come closer, to go deeper. He's like, where, is, where are you really right now? And oftentimes, even in our own walk with God, when there is, it seems to be radio silence, God is inviting us. He's, he's drawing us into to a deeper faith. He wants us to move from kind of, you know, the, the, the shore or the shallow end into the deeper, into the depths of, of what he has for us. And so he wants us to persist. He wants us to continue. And he, he, he brings us in closer. And I believe that's what he was doing here. He was just waiting to see, like, I wonder, is she going to keep coming? Is she going to be persistent? And, you know, it's funny also, the, the second issue is first Jesus isn't answering, and the second issue is the disciples were wanting to send her away. Now, again, there were many things that I could say about this passage right now. And a woman's persistence, and when a woman wants something, she'll go get it. And the disciples are here sitting, and they're just like, you can just hear them, right? Like, they're just like belly aching, like, God, Jesus, will you send, do something with this woman here, right? She's just going on and on and on. And, and you know, and they're asking, like, Jesus, do something. Because they're seeing it, too. They're like, don't you hear this woman? That she's obviously pretty loud if the disciples are being bothered by it. And so they're probably trying to walk along, and she just keeps walking, you know, and she's trying to, you know, get their attention and trying to get them to stop. And the disciples are, are moaning and groaning. And, you know, again, you know, Jesus responds finally, and he says this, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now pause, right? So in this moment, you've got this moment here, and this woman has approached Jesus, has got this demonic attack happening with her daughter. She is desperate. First off, Jesus isn't giving her the time of day. The second part is the disciples are basically like, you know, get away. What is your problem? They're like begging, you know, just go away. And she hears this, these words, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So you're not one of those sheep. You don't qualify. Sorry, no prize for you. How many of us would have stopped there? I think I, think I would have. You know, we don't know the weather. Maybe it was hot. You know, she was, needs to get back. She wants to get back to her daughter to check and see if she's doing okay. You know, we don't know the situation, but I think, I think many of us might have just said, this isn't going to work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. <laughs> How many of us do stop right there? We pray for something or, you know, we see God for something maybe one or two times and then, Okay, it's not happening, it's not working, I'm gonna, you know, back off and maybe try something else. You ever cut down a tree with an axe before? Depending on the size of the tree, if it's any decent sized tree, imagine going up to the tree and somebody takes an axe and like whack, tap, and they're like, well, it's not falling, I'm gonna, gonna go ahead and try something else now, right? Unless you're Brad and you got your chainsaw, you can just... But it takes persistence, doesn't it? And you keep going and you keep working and working. And, you know, with us, we can, of course, we understand the concept. And we know that if we keep going and going and going, eventually that tree will come down. And here this woman, again, she's, she's persisting. But I, I wonder so many times, again, is where do we land on that? 
persistence scale. There's something to persistence in prayer. Listen to this in, in Luke's gospel, right? This is right after the Lord's prayer, right? Right after the disciples say, you know, Jesus, teach us to pray. And they, they present the Lord's gospel, or I mean, he presents uh, the, the Lord's prayer to them that we're all very familiar with. Very important. So what comes right after that is probably, I want to say equally important, but also very important, right? Whatever comes right after that. And this comes right behind that in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 9. It says this, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Anybody done this? You have? Anybody? <laughs> you, go, you walk up at midnight, it's like, hey, now you're sleeping. Can I get some bread, please? Three loaves. Not even a loaf, right? They want three loaves. It's like, you know, so he presents this story. So he's like, you know, have you ever done this? And, you know, uh, he, it goes on and says, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, a good friend as he is, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. Again, it's midnight. I'm asking for bread. He can't help. Okay, he can't help. We need to go on. We need to keep moving. What does it say, though? But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Joshua, right? That's all I think about. Because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Talk about persistence, you know. There's a fine line between persistence and annoying, and they might be the same at some times, but here is this illustration that Jesus gives right behind the Lord's Prayer, and he's saying, you know, you, you persist. You continue. There's nothing wrong with that. Keep bringing your request to the Lord. Keep bringing it back to him. And notice here how this, this woman that we're looking at today, she persisted, this mother, she persisted instead of becoming discouraged. And she had every right to be discouraged at this moment, but she persisted. And she goes in verse 25 and says, but she came, and what did she do? She knelt before him. And she says, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And what we see here, and what I see is, is that she continues really with this heart of worship, doesn't she? She comes and she, just, she kneels before Jesus. What does that signify when you kneel down like that? It's surrender, isn't it? She's saying, Lord, I, I can't do anything here. I'm helpless. And I, I, I kneel before you. And again, he says this, he uses this term dog. And if you're familiar with that term, in that culture, it was, it was a very horrific thing. It, it was not a compliment. We think of dogs today, and it's very different. Most of us like dogs. When we lived in the Middle East, you know, the dogs, they're, 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 they're gross, they're, they're nasty, they're outcasts. They run like in packs in the, the desert. You'll be in the middle of the desert, and you see a pack of dogs like go like running by. They're, just, they're, they're seen as filthy. And here's Jesus again basically calling her a dog, right? She's not a Jew, and so she's unclean. She's, you know, she's not Jew uh, of the line of Israel. And so, again, you know, he says this, 
But notice that she doesn't get defensive, does she? She's more, basically, when she kneels down, she's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. I'm, I'm a dog. I'm, I'm totally shouldn't be here. Uh, I'm not worthy to be here. Uh, get all that, but I need to get back to my, my request now. And I don't know about you, <laughs> but I probably would have been a little more defen- defensive and offended at that point, right? <laughs> you calling me a dog? Like, what? <laughs> I'll show you, you know? But she doesn't do that. She's like, yeah, yep, that's me. But I still need your help. I still need your help. And in Matthew, you know, 15, 28 is, is when then Jesus is, he sees something here. He's, he, he, he sees her in this moment now. And Jesus says to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The third point today in as we look at this, this, a faith-filled mother receives a promise from the Lord in this moment. Woman, great is your faith. What would it mean to you today, to me today, to hear Jesus say to you or I, great is your faith? Can you imagine hearing those words from Jesus today? Can you imagine having really that honor bestowed on us that, that, that Jesus recognized that this, you, you, your faith is great, is extraordinary in this moment. It's almost like I, I've tested you. <laughs> I kind of gave you the cold shoulder, but you persisted and you've demonstrated and exercised how great your faith is in this moment. But what makes her faith great in this account? It's not like she was a Jew. It's not like she'd been, you know, growing as a Christian for many, many years, you know, and this, just in this moment as a pagan initially worshiping false gods just before this, she comes to Jesus, and in a, in a few moments' time, in a little bit short conversation, there, her faith is called great. What would great faith look like in our lives today? Think about what would a picture of great faith be? Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a situation. But we see it here, exercise, and Jesus recognizes and affirms it in her life in this moment. Great is your faith. And what is his response? Be it done for you as you desire. Think about if she'd walked away when she had every chance. She would have missed the opportunity, one, not just for her daughter to be healed, but also for this moment where Jesus again, acknowledges and, 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 and basically you know, stamps her like, here's a, here's a picture of great faith. And I'm sure he's doing all this with the disciples looking on, right? And he's telling this woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And then from that moment, in that very hour, her daughter was made whole. What a picture what a picture, and it's, it's convicting for me to, to, to look at this and just think about, I wonder how many times I missed those opportunities in my walk with God to, to, to hear God say, you know, your faith is great in this moment. 
times when maybe those, that door didn't seem to want to budge or open, you know, and, and my persistence was kind of waning. And maybe an opportunity to, again, be told that your faith is great. Here's, here's your answer. Here's what you've been asking for. There's something about persistent faith that we need to learn, church, especially in our culture where there, we don't have to really be persistent in most things, do we? If we want something or need something, we get it or we do it. If I need you know, a hot meal, I can go to a restaurant. I can go to a drive-thru. I can have a hot meal. I could pick up my phone right now and have a hot meal brought to me in a few minutes. So little thing, there's not a lot of things that we have to be persistent with these days. But our faith is not one of those things we want to try to short, short change or shortcut because we miss out on, on what God has for us sometimes. Now, I think he's faithful. I think, I know he's faithful. <laughs> He'll give us another shot. He'll bring us back around. Praise God for that, right? You all need to say amen to that because we've all been there, right? We've missed the mark. We've all missed the mark many times. But God's gracious and he's loving. But just because you don't get that answer right away, just like we saw with her, don't, don't stop. Don't stop being persistent. As we prepare to, to wrap things up today, I just want to share just a few more scriptures with you as we continue to look at, at what persistent faith is. In Hebrews 11, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 1, faith it says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's the whole really a snapshot of what faith is, right? If we can see it with our eyes, I mean, like if I stand here and say, you know, there's whatever, six blue chairs on this front row, it's not, I'm not really exercising a lot of faith right now, right? If I turn around and face the opposite direction and you guys shuffle the chairs around and I've come up with a number, then it's like, okay, well, there's... Something to faith that, again, it has to have that essence of we can't see it necessarily with our eyes. But it doesn't mean that we don't believe. It doesn't mean that we don't trust. It doesn't mean that we don't put our hope there. And so, again, that's what faith is about. It's, it's about this reality of, of what is hoped for. And, again, when this woman approached Jesus, her daughter was not healed yet. But she persisted. And, again, by faith, her prayer was answered. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, again, just a few weeks ago we talked about Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Remember what Jesus said to him? You know, blessed are those who have believed, you know, not having seen this moment. That's us. <laughs> the whole premise and how we come to Christ is by faith and faith alone. It's not, you know, how many times, you know, you know perfect attendance at church. It's not by the great things that we do or try to do. It's, it's by faith alone that we come to Christ. And there is that element. You know, I, I talk to people from different times and they're like, you know, if I could just see it, if he, if he would just... If Jesus would just stand in front of me for a minute, you know, okay, yeah. But would you, would you receive that by faith, though? No, you'd receive it because it's standing, he's standing in front of you. Jesus is calling us to step into faith. And again, it is through faith that we are saved. 
And lastly, in James, again, familiar scripture, passage, but one that's maybe not always our favorite necessarily, but it, James 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many sign up for that, right? I'm going to raise their hand to that one. Oh, sweet. Everything's falling apart in my world. This is amazing. I love it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you all have that response, right? Because, yeah, we're mature believers here. It's, do you ever stop and, like, think about what you're reading here? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Count it as great joy when, wow, everything kind of troubles come and everything falls apart. Okay, Lord. But look at what verse 3 says. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Does it say your endurance will grow? It says your endurance has a chance to grow. And what happens is when we come into these situations, when we come into these moments in life when, when things are getting difficult, when things are getting hard, and we have this opportunity, if we walk it out the way that God has it for us, and we don't try to shortcut it or, or sidestep it, that we have this opportunity for our endurance to grow. Our faith is being tested. And again, that is the picture that you see with this woman when she first approaches Jesus. Her faith is being tested. He's like, will you step a little deeper? Will you come a little closer? Is your faith real? Is there substance there? So our faith is tested and your endurance has a chance to grow. And verse 4, it says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. What are you facing here today? What are you facing in your life today? And my question is, are you welcoming it in the sense of, God, I know that you're working something out in me right now. God, I know you're trying to teach me. I know you're drawing me into a deeper walk with you. I know you're giving me this opportunity for my faith to grow. Because again, it's, it's in those, those situations, it's only when it's, it gets difficult and when we know that there's no way that we can fix it in our own power, it's only in that moment that we can truly allow our faith to grow and to see what God can do, right? Imagine putting on, you know, a parachute. I don't know, maybe some of you had anybody parachute, skydived in here before? Okay, good. A couple people. I've never have. I never have. Um, but, you know, there's, there's that point where you can put on that parachute <laughs> and you're all geared up and you got your goggles and you look, you got the helmet, you got the, you, know, you look like a, you know, a, a skydiver, but it all gets real, 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 real quick, right, when you step to the edge and it's time to jump. And it's only then do you find out if your parachute is going to work the way it's intended to, right? I've got the, the latest, you know, Mark 22-36-9er parachute and it's amazing, you know, and it's all packed in there and it's really cool colors and does all this stuff. Yeah, that's great and all, but let's see what it does after you jump out the plane, in basic training, they did this with, our, with a gas mask, right? In basic training, we had to go into a room where, like, this mad scientist, and it's got all this smoke and stuff, and it's all hazy, and, you know, they got this gas going inside the room, CS gas, 
And there comes a point where you have to take your mask off. Why? So that you can appreciate what your mask does. At least that's what they said. And I did, but I, I would have taken their word for it. I didn't need to experience what happened. <laughs> you never knew that many, much fluid could come out of so many places um, in your face. But it's, it's to show you, and you, know, you finally get your gas mask back on, and you see, like, oh, wow, this thing does work. <laughs> it's the same with our faith. We take for granted, yeah, when everything, the sun's shining and everything's going well and we're skipping down the street and things are perfect. Yeah, sure, my faith is amazing. Is, is it? Because the test is coming. And maybe some of you here today are in that place where your faith is being tested. And I want to tell you today as we look at this story and as we begin to, again, wrap this up here, you know, we see this chance. We see this chance for our faith to grow. We see our chance, a chance for our endurance to grow. And Jesus is telling us here, and in this story we see it, come to Jesus with your problems. Come to Jesus with your concerns today. Come to Jesus with your concerns for your children today. Lord knows we need it. And if you haven't done it yet, you need to start doing it. Bring your children to the Lord, before the Lord, in prayer. I look at the world around us, and I, it's, it's staggering to me. Because I remember growing up, and I, I just was, I had hope, you know, like what the future could hold. Now it's more questions. I think about my kids that have to come up and they have to enter into this world and face the things that are out there. And it's not gonna be because of mine and Leanna's amazing parenting that's gonna save them. It's only by the grace of God and our prayers and, and Jesus Christ that's gonna save our kids. And I love what Leanna said. I didn't even know what she, she was gonna say that, but it's the truth. I don't care about all the other stuff as long as my kids come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and as long as they have a relationship with him, then that's all that matters to me. Everything else is a bonus, is a cherry on top. I, I don't care, <laughs> you know? We need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our kids. We need to bring them to the Lord. And if we're gonna test our faith somewhere, it better be there. <laughs> the world could be changed today by women of great faith. There. Again, there are women in here that I know, I know you pray. I know that what you do and, and, and you pray not just for your kids, you pray for other kids, you pray for our church and we need that. I thank you. I, I know myself and Pastor Tony, we covet your prayers too if we could be your adopted kids. Pray for us, please. We need it. I'll close with this thought. It's, it seems to me like far too often, I've talked to, to many people, I've, I've heard many testimonies, and it seems like always, always, whenever these testimonies come up, there always seems to be in the backdrop either a praying mother or a praying grandmother. I don't know what it is. It's that tenacity, that, that, that persistence, and they will just keep praying, and they will keep praying, and they will keep praying. And you'll hear testimony after testimony of how I was far from the Lord, but yet he brought me back. And I just want to thank my mom or thank my grandmother for, for praying for me all those days. Don't stop praying. Moms, grandmas, don't stop praying. Dads, grandfathers, don't stop praying either. But moms and grandmas, God has wired you. <laughs> and you, your prayers do more good than you realize. And they are doing good. Be persistent, amen.
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for every single person, Lord, in this place today. I thank you for every single person watching online. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word, that you have given us this picture, this, this beautiful picture of persistence in faith and in prayer, Lord God. As we saw this woman, Lord, come to you, and again, your immediate response was less than optimal in her eyes, but God, she persisted. God, we can just see, I can, I can just see the picture of your compassion as you looked at this woman, as she bowed before you. God, help us to come to that place of humility and, and a humbling, Lord God, to where we just drop to our knees in front of you and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. God, I surrender my ways. God, we bring our children to you today, young and old. God, would you do something? God, we may not see it with our eyes right now. They may seem like they are far, Lord, from where they need to be, far from you, but God, give us the tenacity, Lord God, to pray bold prayers, Father, for our children. God, again, like that, that picture, Lord, that you gave us of that, that persistent friend knocking at the door, Lord God, let us, let us be that kind of persistent, Lord, knocking and knocking and knocking, saying, Lord, please, Lord, my children, my children, my grandchildren, God, I thank you that you've given us, Lord, the faith, first and foremost, Lord, to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but also, Lord, that faith that sustains us, Lord, through many trials and tribulations and temptations and struggles, Lord, on this earth. God, I thank you that you have not left us, Lord, alone or abandoned us, Lord God, but that you are but a breath away. God, for anyone here within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you today, whether in this room or online, I pray that they would make that first step, that they would take that first step of faith putting their hope and trust, Lord, in you and that you would meet them, Lord, in that place in such an amazing and powerful way. God, for those children who are wandering, Lord, today, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, let today be the day, again, where, where you turn and you, you recognize and you say, great is your faith. Let it be done as you've asked. God, I thank you that you truly are a God who loves us, that you are a God who has not abandoned us to ourselves. And regardless of what we see in the world around us, Lord God, that you are at work, and God, that you are using your people, you are using your church, and you are raising up a, a, a body of believers, Lord God, a church, Lord God, that will, will press in by faith, that will not turn back from when, when things get tough or difficult, Lord God, but that, again, as James wrote, Lord God, that our endurance will test our faith, God, and, and that through these trials and struggles, Lord God, our endurance would grow and it would be strengthened. God, we would walk out, Lord, our days on this earth boldly according to your will and your purpose so that you may receive all the glory, all the honor, and that is our prayer today, God. I thank you today once again for the wonderful women, Lord, in this room, mothers, grandmothers, Lord God, and any woman, Lord, that has, has been a mother figure to somebody. God, I ask you just to, just to bless them today and just, Lord, let them know just how much you love them and love their children in Jesus' name.